This is, I gave you two keys for staying full of God. One of them, number one, was, was to glorify and magnify God above everything else that's going on. And number two was to be thankful for everything he's done, he's doing, and will do. For who he is, you know. Sometimes we're just thankful for what we get. And we need to be thankful that he's the risen Savior. We need to be thankful that, that he has come and given us an opportunity to participate in eternal life. And um, there's, I gave you a whole list of things you could be thankful for. And um, so today we're going to have the last two keys. And I told you that God is transmitting 24-7. Now, some of you believe that and some of you don't. That's okay. It's true anyway. God is transmitting to you 24-7. Is it warm in here, Linda's? Okay. Um, I think the people that do something about that are not here. Okay. Um, Now I lost my thought here. Um, okay. God's transmitting all the time. You know, if, if you have a child, you understand that. If you have a child, you aren't trying to beat on them every day or see how sick you could make them or how, how much evil you could give them. You're trying to bless them, aren't you? I mean, that is your heart cry is to bless your children. Well, I guarantee you it's God's heart cry is to bless his children. But you know what? We don't all get blessed. Now, why is that? We got broken receivers or else just sometimes they're not broken. They're just, you know, you got to tune in and uh, you don't just turn on, you tune in. I told you how the, the TV signals are out there everywhere and you don't get any of them until you plug in a TV set, tune it in. And there it was, it was there all the time, wasn't it? It was there all the time. God is broadcasting to you all the time. And if you're not receiving, then your receiver needs help. So hopefully you're going to get your receiver fixed today. Okay? So uh, I want to paraphrase um, 2 Peter 1, 2 through 4. I don't think you probably have that scripture. Um, Jer- uh, not Jeremy. Eli. And it tells us that... Um, God, through his divine power, has already given us everything we need for life and godliness. He's given us his precious promises so we can partake of them. He didn't give them to you so you could, you know, toe the line and march to the drummer. He gave them to you so you could partake of everything that he is and everything that he has. So um, I want you to remember that. He's given you everything already. I mean, it's, he's, look at me. He has already given you everything you need for life and godliness. Did you get it? That's right here. It is right here. Put your hand right there and say, it's right here. So I got to get it out of there to out here. Okay, that wasn't in my sermon either. Okay, I'm always doing that. And you know what we do? We ask, we just, uh uh-oh, we keep begging God for what he's already done. Yay. (laughs) Time out.
probably knows what time it is. Well, she's not going to tell me much. We are on the bus, and we have no cell service. We will see in about an hour if we have anything. If we do have a cell handy to give to Eli, but I need to know whose cell phone to call. Let me know, please. Okay, Eli, I'll give you my phone if she calls. Or you can email, you can text her back, right? I can do it, but it might take half of my sermon time. <clears throat> we don't want that to happen. So are we all right? I want y'all to just be relaxed and get what's, what God has for you today. Sometimes she just gives me a tiny tidbit, and that was a tiny tidbit, okay? So, the key scripture that we used was Romans one twenty one. Now, when you read Romans 21, you think, man, I don't see anything good in there. It says, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Okay. This was written to the Christians at Rome. They were believers, okay? And what happened to them? They got away from God. Is it possible? I'm not not talking about you're not saved, okay? Get that clear. You're just not walking as close to him as you can. You're not walking in what he has for you, okay? So that's what happened to them. If it happened to them, I'm sure it could happen to us. It was written to the Christians at Rome. We're the Christians at Woodward, right? We're part of them. We're part of the Christians at Woodward. So it's written to us. So if if we don't want that to happen to us, and don't think you're immune to that happening, if you don't want that to happen to you, then we're going to do the opposite of that. Okay, so number one was glorify and magnify God. Number two was give thanks. Number three... I'm going to just take a portion of that scripture. <clears throat> and while they began, <clears throat> and after a while, they began to think up silly ideas of what God was like and what he wanted them to do. That was a living Bible. Or they became futile in their thoughts, New King James. Or they became vain in their imaginations. And that is um, King James. So I looked up futile. Do, all, do any of you know what futile means? See, I didn't know either. It means useless or ineffective. So we could read it. They became useless and ineffective in their thinking or their thoughts. Now, I looked up vain, and it means senseless, conceited, worthless to no purpose, excessively concerned about one's self. So I looked up imagination or speculations, and it is the image-forming power of your mind. Or the power of your mind that changes or modifies what you conceive. Or the ability to form a mental image. So, we could say it this way. This is my paraphrase of that scripture of Romans one twenty one. Because they did not honor God and glorify and magnify him for who he is. And they were not thankful to God. They became senseless, worthless, of no purpose, ineffective, useless in their thoughts, in their imaginings in the power of their mind to form good mental images, and their foolish hearts were darkened. 
Eli, do you have those scriptures? Or are you texting Shelley? <laughs> He's not hearing me. Oh, hold it, he said. Okay, this doesn't mean that your imagination isn't functioning. Sounds like everything's dead. It doesn't mean that. <clears throat> you know, a lot of Christians pride themselves on being a realist. They aren't going to be imagining things because, after all, that's what the Eastern religions are all about, you know. Well, yes, they do use imagining, but you know what? They abuse prayer, in case you didn't know it, and we haven't stopped praying. And God gave you an imagination or speculation or the ability to think. And so we're going to learn to do that today. And you may say, I'm not a person that sits around doing that. Well, I'm going to tell you, you are also, you are too. Yes, you are. I'm, now I'm going to give you... I guess I already gave you amazing fact number one. Didn't tell you that. And he had it up there. Okay, amazing fact number two. I've got Eli going. Got him about three jobs here at one time. If you quit honoring, praising, and thanking God, your imagination will automatically gravitate toward negative things. See, it's not that you decide to get away from God. It's just that you begin... You, not, you didn't begin, you stop praising and honoring God and thanking him. And so what happens? This is the result. Your imagination gravitates to the negative. Okay, ama amazing fact number three. Your imagination is basically a product of your focus. You may not like that. It's my phone. <clears throat> but... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, what you focus on is what gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. What you focus on is what you think about. And so, your imagination is ba basically a product of your focus, okay? If your focus is God, it's going to be different than your focus is job or even if it's children. You know, there are good things to focus on that God doesn't intend for you to focus on, all right? He wants to be your focus, and all those other things will just come into, into line. So when we really value the things of God, then our imagination will begin to work in line with the Word of God. So amazing fact number four. They may have all left me now. <laughs> well, <clears throat> whether you realize it or not, this is amazing fact number four. And I'm going to hand these out to you at the end, but I didn't give them to you now because I don't want you reading them now. I want you to listen. Your mind functions through your imagination. Now, I'm, I'm going to, you all know you got a mind, surely, right? Everybody has a mind. Your mind functions through your imagination. Now, I know some of you still sitting back there saying, you know, I don't, I don't have an imagination. Yes, you do. Little kids have great ones. And we, teachers in the public schools, we got any here? I used to be one. I can say this, okay? I feel like we squelch the children's imagination. We're always trying to get them to be real and be a realist. And um, I'm not saying all teachers do that. But um, a picture's worth a thousand words. You think in words. You know that? A builder uses a blueprint. You think in pictures. Our imagination is the part that makes everything work in our life. Amazing fact number five. 
Your imagination is the ability to see something with your inner eyes instead of your physical eyes. Okay? You know, if I say a black bear, can you see one? Shut your eyes. I say black bear. Can you see one? I say pink dress. You see one. We think in pictures. You can't do anything without your imagination. So quit putting it down and quit thinking it's of the devil. It's not. The devil's used it. It's what's happened. So um, you picture it in your imagination. And if I say, do you see a black bear, Winona? What do you say? She answered me, not with a picture. She saw it in a picture, but she answered me with words, right? It's all connected. You think I'm off there tonight, today, I think, but I'm not. Um, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's like using your imagination. You know, I don't want to go there yet. Okay. Um, You know, you could be someone that gives into every offering, and you see yourself poor. Or you could be someone who, uh, who is um, taking leadership courses and uh, getting extra training. And you still see yourself as a failure. You could be one that has gone to college and got a degree. And you're seeing yourself as ignorant. Now, why does that happen? How could that be? Hmm? How could that be? Because you haven't let God paint his picture inside you of who you are and what you're all about. Instead, what do we do? We go let the world paint the picture, don't we? We let what happens to us become what we are or who we are. And so we have not taken the word of God and let his paintbrush. So is ignorant what God says you are? Is a failure what God says you are? No. You know, you may be shy and you have this picture of yourself right here. You're shy and that's the way you are. Or maybe you're bold like me. That's the way you are. But you know what? That's, if you're too bold or if you're too shy, that's not the way God intended for you to be. He has a balance for you. And so what you have to do is take the word of God and paint that, you know, you can paint right over that thing that you got inside of you. You will never accomplish, I don't know how I worded this, Amazing fact number six. I'm kind of ahead of myself. You can take the word of God and paint a new picture of yourself to be the way God says you are. Okay? How many of you have read the word and you get up and you walk away and you can't remember anything you read? Or you just think it, I, you know, it just didn't mean anything to me. I just, I really just will not spend that time doing it. 
Now, not too many of you raised your hands, but I, I think you could all raise your hand. It's happened to me too. So um, I'm going to give you an answer for that. Amazing fact number seven. You absolutely cannot meditate, think, or imagine what you've not read or heard. So what I want you to do is activate your imagination when you go to read the Word. Amazing that God would have us use something He gave us in order to magnify and get bigger what He wants to do in us, okay? So amazing fact number eight says, Reading and listening to the Word of God is like entering data in a computer. Now that, you know, that ought to make sense to a lot of you. I'm getting to be computer literate. It's been a long time, but I'm working on it, okay? So if I'm going to read and listen to the Word of God, I'm putting in, I used to say it like this, I'm canning it, you know? Women used to can. They used to go out in the garden and gather up the vegetables and can them. In the wintertime, you could open up a can of of fresh vegetables that you had canned out of your garden, and they just taste a lot better than whatever you bought at the store. So you can the Word of God. You can it up. So it's always there when you need it. But but this day and age, we're going to say you're entering data into your computer. Okay? we got to get hip here, right? Is that the word? So if you're not... If you're not even spending any time looking at this, you haven't put any data in, have you? So what do you expect? What do you expect? Well, God knows my heart. Yes, he does. And he knows when you're getting to know him and reading and studying the word so that you can be changed more like him. God does not condemn you, period. He does not condemn you. Even when you walk away, he's not standing there saying, shame on you. You should get back here. Now, I might say that. I shouldn't, but I might say that. You might say that, but God won't say that. He just draws you back with his sweet, gentle hand. So let's say you, you decide you can use your imagination to get revelation of God. This is key number three in case you haven't figured that out, okay? You're going to use your imagination to get revelation. So I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read. I'm going to say, God, use my imagination. In other words, you're going to have to ask the Holy Spirit to let you just be there. Can can you do that? You know, when Pastor Eric's up here reading sometimes and he reads a lengthy scripture, sometimes I just think I I go there. Do you go there? You know, Uh, you may not because you may be watching the people in front of you. You may need to shut your eyes so you can go there. You can place yourself in a scripture. You know that? You can you can go right where Jesus was walking in Galilee. You can go right where he was teaching. You can go up on the mountain when he gave the, the Mount of Olives discourse. You can You can be with Solomon when he was building the temple, you know? And you do that how? With your imagination. So you sit down, you're just not going to read this and think, oh, oh, I haven't got time for this, but I'll just read a word or two so I can say that I've done it. God is not even interested in that at all. But if you'll say, okay, God, use my imagination. Help me go there. Show me. 
show me. You know, I've, I've found out we, we don't read the word. We just kind of read at it. I mean, I've learned things the last three or four years that just, I'm thinking, how did that get in there, you know? I mean, I probably read the verse hundreds of times. I may have preached on it. And, and I'm thinking, God is, his word is like this deep, okay, from the floor up, I'll say. And so you peel off this top cover, and lo and behold, there's a whole nother part. And then you peel that off, and, you know, you just keep peeling and peeling. And with your imagination working, and with then when you get the word in there with your imagination and you can see yourself there, then the data starts to get processed. And when the data gets processed, you know, it prints out the page. Anybody ever get that? I still think that's amazing how I can type that on the computer. Boom! comes out. I'm thinking the hours I used to spend typing. Maybe you didn't do that. I took typing in college, you know. I was going to major in business to start out. And it was like grueling typing and and you couldn't even erase then, you know, you, oh, anyway, it's amazing. Just type it, push a button and print still astounds me. And I've been doing it for a long time. Okay. The real revelation comes out when you print it. Okay. You read the word, you apply your imagination with it. You go there. Don't just read it to say, well, I read it, but get involved with it. See yourself there. It may take a little time before you can activate your imagination like that, but the Holy Spirit's just waiting to help you out. So see yourself there. Read the Word. Now you've got something for it to work with. It, it will automatically process the data, and you will get revelation, revelation that will impact you. It may not impact another person. Sometimes we, we get an understanding of the word and get so excited about it and we're going to tell everybody else and they just, well, that's nice. You think, what is the matter with you? You know, don't you understand what this is saying? And, you know, it just doesn't hit them like it does you. It's just for you. That's what's so amazing about the word of God is that it, it is just for you. That, that lets you know God knows right where you're at today at this moment and he'll give you a revelation that it'll just goes right through all that old hard, tough skin and penetrates your heart. Okay. I'm going to give you an example. Take 1 Peter 2, 24. It says, da-da, Come back over here. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness for by his wounds you were healed. Not you're going to be, not you will be, not as a process, but you were, okay? What am I going to have to do? I have to take that. <clears throat> you're going to have to see this picture you're going to have to think about it and think about it and think about it and think about it. Don't think about it the way you saw it in the Passion, the movie, or any way you've seen Jesus described. Ask God to show you his picture of this. Okay? And you think about it and you think about it and you think about it and you start painting a new picture. Let's say, you know, most of us have something or other we could get healed of whether it's a sore toe or, or a, 
a hurting arm or I got an arm here that's quivering. I don't know what in the world's going on with it. Started yesterday and it's quivering. So we all got a little something, if not a big something, that we need healing from, right? So why not take a healing scripture? So we're going to think about it and think about it and think about it and think about it and think about it some more and paint the picture. By your wounds, Jesus. Now, there's a scripture that says, by your stripes, I'm healed. And I was quoting that yesterday, by your stripes. I was going through this sermon. And I thought, well, he, he, got, he got the stripes at his scourging, right? I mean, I wasn't looking up scripture or trying to, to prove a point. I just thought, oh, he got, he got the stripes at his scourging. So maybe... When I say, you know, everything you did for me on the cross, maybe I should say, and by your stripes, I'm healed from what happened when you were scourged, when you were beaten and whipped with 39 lashes. I mean, that's, I'm just throwing that out there. That was just another little sidetrack. I thought, oh, it said, I'm reading by his wounds you were healed. You know, his wounds would have been his hands were pierced. His feet were pierced, his side, and the crown of thorns went on his head. But one scripture says, by his stripes, I'm healed. And that one says, by his wounds, I'm healed. So maybe this is bigger than I thought. That's what I'm trying to get you to see. See it and see it and see it. Now paint that picture until you see Jesus walking over and just covering you with health. Not healing, health. You see, you have to spend some time doing that. This is what we do. We, we read that scripture and think, okay, that's mine and, and you know, it's, it's mine and, and I'm healed. And, and nothing happens. You did not change the picture of who you are. You're still sick inside. Does that make sense? You're still hurting. <clears throat> you got to take God's word. And paint, and paint, and paint. And use your imagination until this sickness in you is healed. When it gets healed in here, it'll show up out here. Okay. Are you getting it? <clears throat> Boy, I'm having a hard time standing. I guess it doesn't matter. Amazing fact number nine. <clears throat> it's easy for us to see ourselves sick, isn't it? I mean, it's easy. <clears throat> Most people see themselves sick, not healed. They see pain and hurt, and they see themselves deteriorating. Amazing fact number 10. If you can't see it on the inside, you don't get it on the outside. Y'all are so quiet. I don't know if you're listening or you're dumbfounded or what. <clears throat> so amazing fact number 11. And I think this is, this is probably where we are. Excuse me. I got Eli 
jumping up there. It's not that you doubt God, and it's not that you haven't read the scripture and believed it and quoted it and declared it, and it's not that it is it is not that you di- it is that you did not involve your imagination and paint the picture inside to line up with the picture God has in his word. You see, we we've tried to work this a lot of different ways. We have. I mean, be honest. You know, I read it in the word and I think that should be happening to me right now. Right now. But you know, it won't happen. It will happen when the picture inside me changes and lines up with what God says. God says a lot of things that we just, we may assent to it mentally. We don't believe it in our heart. If we did, we'd work on, on what I'm trying to explain to you right now. You know, a woman conceives a child in her womb. Is, will you agree with me on that? Oh, thank you. Amazing fact number 12. A woman cannot birth a child unless she's conceived it. Well, isn't that amazing? You cannot birth what you ask God for without conceiving it first. That's what we tried to do. Well, it says on the, in, in this word, I should have it. You've not conceived it. Conception takes place, you're going to love this, in your imagination. It's like your womb. Guys, y'all have a womb. It's your imagination. Okay? Everything we need from God, we've already established. God's already given us everything we need for life and godliness. All the precious promises are ours so we can partake of his divine nature. It's right here. You know, if we could just see, if I could just say, God, open every eye there and let them see what's in here. Same thing would be in me as is in you. You know, you think, well, she's Pastor Virginia. She's got more word. No. God's given me everything I need for life and godliness, and he's given you everything you need, Courtney, for life and godliness, and all the rest of you. So if you could see it, we'd, we'd pretty well have all provision. We'd have all health and healing. We'd have all finances. We'd have all relationships restored. It would just be wonderful, wouldn't it? Well, that's, what we're, that's the way we're supposed to live. But you're going to have to see yourself. And that was amazing fact 14. You've got to have to see yourself already having it. You've got to paint a new picture. Um, another thing that you need to do, and I'm just, I'm just going to um, tell you this for length of time here, is that um, when, um, ah, how am I going to say that? When Solomon built the temple, Um, I'm going to skip that part, okay? I want you to know you can't just think of, you can't just imagine whatever you want to, okay? You can't just let your imagination go wild and just just say, well, whatever, you know, whatever God wants to me to imagine, I will. Because God knows the imaginings of your heart, Okay? He knows. In, in Genesis, he said, you know, I'm going to have to destroy because 
the imaginings, the thinkings, the thoughts of these people are continually evil. So God knows. So you can't just go off and imagine whatever you want to. But you can sure start out imagining from the scriptures and see where God takes you. Um, I'm going to go to key number four. Um, and I'm going to skip amazing fact number 15. So this is the last key, and this is preparing your heart. David gave in an offering to build the temple in First Chronicles 29. I'm not going to go there, but I'll just tell you where it is so you don't think I made it up. First Chronicles 29. <clears throat> David gave an offering. Actually, first of all, he gave $5 billion out of the treasury to build the temple. And then they took up an offering, like we did this morning. And he gave $1.5 billion out of his own pocket. And it so excited the people, they gave $3.5 billion in the offering. Now that was a $5 billion offering. Wow. What could we do with $5 billion? That would take a while to even figure out, wouldn't it? But it was to build the temple. You know, I think about that and I think, wow, could your imagination go there? What did that thing look like? That's at least $10 billion that it cost. I don't even know how much, but I'm thinking of all the gold that was in there. I mean, if we could just see that temple, and then people say, well, God wants me poor so that I can stay humble. God wants you rich so you can give it away. Anyway, so you could build for God. Anyway, um, then David said, Help us to remember what happened today, God. I mean, that was amazing what happened. So what what God says in uh, verse 18 of 1 Chronicles 29, he said, build you a, a monument. Now, you can't go building a monument everywhere something great happened in your life, but you can in your heart. You can build a monument. So he said, help us to build a monument about this event that happened so that we can remember what you did, God. So I'm saying to you, can you build a monument in your heart? Can you build a monument about what God has done? I can build a monument about um, um, August the 4th, 1957, because that's the day I got married. That is forever painted, engraved in my heart. I could build a monument about every, the day every one of my children were born. Couldn't all of you that are parents? I could build a monument about the day I got saved. I remember that. And baptized. I remember that. I, got, I could build a monument about the day I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Help us to remember. You know what happens when you remember the things God did for you? It does something to your heart. This last key is prepare your heart. It does something to your heart. It's not that God wants you sitting down trying to remember everything that ever happened in your life. He does want you to remember all the victories you ever had and begin to give him the credit and the glory and the praise for it and thank him for it and then let your imagination kind of go wild and then just begin to let your heart 
Remember what he's done for you and watch what happens to your heart. So, memory is powerful. You know, not when you start back, when you begin to think back what God has done or what he's doing, it doesn't just soften your heart towards God. It softens your heart towards people. Oh, those people you thought you just didn't want to have anything to do with or see again. No, you didn't ever do that, did you? It softens the way you feel towards people when you begin to think about God and what he's done and you begin to remember what if he's done that for you, then he probably wants you to help do that for someone else, right? Okay. I have read the word heart in the scripture so many times, and it's confusing. Does anybody else know that? Sometimes it means your soul. Sometimes it means your spirit. Sometimes it's just a combination. Sometimes it's just totally confusing. And so pretty well, when you see the word heart, you have to go look it up and see what it means. But I looked up about five or six Bible dictionaries, and I thought, well, I'm still confused. So I made my own. This is just mine. You don't have to take it. But it, but it, maybe it will help you understand what your heart is. I'm not talking about this physical organ of your heart, even though I might point there. The heart is sometimes your mind and sometimes your understanding, sometimes your will. Sometimes it's your affection. Sometimes it's your conscience. Sometimes it's the whole soul of your mind, will, and emotions. It is the inner self, and it thinks and feels and decides and imagines and remembers, is wise, speaks to itself, makes decisions, has purpose, intention. It actually is the true character or personality of a person. Now, that's quite a bit, is it not? So, we as a society put our emphasis on actions. If you're acting right, if you look right, if you've got the right friends, then um, you're okay. We, we think actions are, but actually God thinks thoughts are more important. He thinks the, the heart the condition of your heart, you cannot hide it. You may try your very best to hide even that you're hurting or that, or that uh, you're offended or that you're, you're uh, bitter. Or You cannot hide what's in your heart. The Bible says out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Now, you might not intend for it to, to do that, but it will. It gets overflowed, and did you ever just have something come out your mouth, and you thought, oh, my word. Ooh, I don't even like that. I didn't like to hear that myself. God, where'd that come from? Out of the abundance of your heart. So God is working on hearts. If you magnify and glorify him and thank him, and if you use your imagination to get revelation of him, and then you prepare your heart, Okay? You prepare, I know you're saying, well, how do you prepare your heart? I hope you're saying that. It dictates how you act. 
going to skip that. I've, I've got, I'm just having to skip a lot. Here's what happens. When we don't glorify and magnify God and we don't use our imagination and we're not thankful, our heart gets a little shell, just a little light shell around it. And the longer it goes, it's kind of like an eggshell. It gets thicker. Do you ever see an ostrich eggshell? You can't crack it open. So it gets harder and harder and harder. It's not that you don't love God. You understand that? It's not that you don't want to bless God. It's not that you don't want the blessings he's sending. It's just that for some reason, your heart got hardened. Why? Because you quit giving glory and honor to God all the time and thanking him for everything. And you didn't use your imagination to begin to see what he was sending. You know, you're going to have to see them coming at you before you can see them living with you, okay? And then you've got to prepare your heart. So your heart gets desensitized to God. And so pretty soon you can't hear God. You know, I used to hear your voice so clearly. You can't hear. And you used to have little visions or you used to, you used to just... Uh, you, you could just see the glory of God when you were in praise and worship. So what happened? Did God leave you? No. Did you really just decide, I'm done with God? No. You just got a little shell around your heart. And now it keeps you from hearing and seeing and knowing God. So, the question is, what are you going to do about it? What can we do about it? Well, I want you to know that wherever you're at with God right now, God knows where you are. And number two, he's ready for you to come right back where you walked away. Whether you walked away willingly or unwillingly, where you even just stepped aside from what he wanted for you. Right now, you can come back to the place. You can be restored right back to where you walked away. How do you do that? You decide to glorify and magnify God. You use your binoculars. I said this last Sunday. The binoculars have two ends. So be sure you get the end that makes it bigger. And you begin to make bigger God and his answers. No matter what your situation is. Don't look through the other end because it makes them smaller. You don't want to make God smaller. You want to make God big so he can consume, swallow up. All those things. So you begin to glorify and magnify God. That, it's a lifestyle, people. I don't mean we're going to have a little five-minute session here and we're going to glorify and magnify God. And now we're coming back to God. It's a lifestyle. Hallelujah. You hit your thumb. Glory to God, you know. That should be what comes out of your mouth, not... Mm -hmm. Why? Because you've been doing that. You've been glorifying God anyway, so it just pops out because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what is popping out of your mouth? What is that that's popping out of your mouth, you know? When, when you associate in the world, and we have to do that, the world gets off on us. 
It just gets off on us, doesn't it? So you have to purpose. I'm going to give glory and magnify God, and he's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and I just, I'm just waiting for the day that, you know, I, I make out lists of things that I want, and I just check them off as they come. God has done that for me for years. You know, when I say, okay, I'm ready for a new car, it'll come. I, I don't give him a time limit or whatever. He brings it, okay? He brought me this new home here. I'm, we haven't got time for all that. But you have to see it. You've got to paint that picture. You see, God doesn't see you sick, tired, hurting, mad, confused, upset, frustrated. He sees you according to the word. You've got to paint the picture inside you according to the word. You're going to have to do that. Use your imagination. Get thankful to God. And you know what will happen? That shell will dissolve. That shell that formed around your heart. You didn't make it form. God didn't make it form. It just it happens as a consequence of your lack of obedience to God. And so it dissolves. And now what happens? You get sensitive to God again. And now you hear him again. Praise God. You, you're having visions again. You're, you're uh, able to read the word and understand it. You're able to read the word and put yourself in there and, and get revelation. You know, the word isn't just to read and memorize. It's to really know God. How are you going to know God if you don't read the word? That's the only way you're going to know God because he is the word. And that's what he's given us so we can know him. And, you know, I can tell you all about God, and I can stand here forever, but if you're going to know him for yourself, it's different than me telling you about him. I could talk all day about him, and I know him, and I love him and everything, but I can't give that to you. You have to go get it. You have to go get the word, process it in your computer. Did you get this today? Do you understand what I've been saying? Four keys. Now, is that hard? Is, is this really going to be that hard that you can't do it? Is there anybody in here that wants to do this? Yeah, okay, I do. You know, this sermon is to me. I'm not up here talking to you like I've arrived. If you already are where you want to be with God, they're still closer. You can still get closer. So I'm, I'm going to... Um, I don't know just what to do. 